BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name is Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guests today are three founding members of one of the most successful American bands in history. Their plaudits are practically endless and well-deserved. They've sold over 40 million albums in the U.S. alone, notched 25 gold records, 18 platinum, and 8 multi-platinum. They've had five consecutive number one albums and 20 top 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100. Early hits like 25 or 6 to 4, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is, and Beginnings saw them somewhat simplistically labeled the rock and roll band with horns. This really undersells the inventive arrangements and delicate melodies of songs like Color My World or If You Leave Me Now. They've had many different eras and many different members, but these three guys have been there since the very start in 1967. Now they're helming a brand new album called Born For This Moment, which is out now. Completists can rest easy because this, their 38th album, also bears the label Chicago 38 in their trademark Roman numerals. I'm so thrilled to welcome Robert Lamb, James Panko, and Lee Lochnane of Chicago. I mean, just congratulations. I mean, there are just so many new moments that I discover every time I listen to it. I've listened to it a number of times. How did this project begin for you? Was this a a quarantine uh, lockdown project? Pretty much. I mean, uh, I think we had all gone home after after, uh, it was... uh, Our our touring was interrupted. Um, So speaking personally, I just went home and after a couple of days, I, you know, I got... I was uh, drawn to the piano in my studio, and I just started, you know, working on, not even working on music, just sort of rediscovering 
older pieces of music that hadn't been made into songs yet. So I just started a very long process, process of doing that. And, I, and it was, I found it refreshing to not be uh, under a time constraint. I had all day, every day. Uh, my wife was very indulgent uh, if, I, if, if I spent most of the day at the piano. And as a result, uh, some songs started to make themselves known. And I just, you know, just began, you know, on my, my little laptop studio, uh, kind of composing what essentially were demos. Now, how much of this was done through file sharing? Because those, those horn parts sound so tight. I mean, you know, one set of lungs. I feel that had to be together. Was that, was that done through file sharing? Well, uh, we, we made records in the studio as a band for 50 years. And uh, it was it was a little bit different, a little challenging uh, to a degree to, uh, to compose um, a little uh, little snippets of, of pieces of songs remotely and then, um, you know, get them to uh, Joe Thomas, our producer, who kind of uh, sewed things together. Uh, we did the brass live uh, uh, at Lee Lockman Studio in Sedona, Arizona. I was in the process of building a studio in Sedona before the pandemic started. And then this oh, wow. was just a, 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 a continuation of that when all of a sudden we weren't working. I was at the studio all the time. And we had, uh, by the time Jimmy had charts together to be able to record, we had Myself, uh, Jimmy, and Ray Herman, we all gathered at my studio and we recorded 11 tracks. So that's how those got on the record. I don't think that we intended to record an album right away. I think everybody was sort of working individually. And it, it wasn't until, uh, you know, maybe, maybe six months into the pandemic that the idea that hey this could be this could be an album and uh, uh, Joe Thomas approached us and asked if we were interested so I, I, I called these guys and said you know are we are we interested in doing an album or what you mentioned the the charts earlier. I mean, something that I've loved about your arrangements throughout your career is just the interplay between the voice and the brass. The brass is, is a full-on co-lead. It's like the singer's doing a duet with the brass. That has to be a challenge to make those pieces fit together. Is there a key? What's the process like of, of arranging the, the brass parts for this? When I, uh, when I approached uh, this unique uh, brass situation, I guess I inherited the chair because I had been arranging as I was in college and even before. And it's a lead vocal, basically. It, 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 it's a, a, a main character in the song. And along with the lead vocal, it completes a melodic journey from beginning to end where the lead vocal leaves off, the brass picks up, and where the brass leaves off, uh, it leads into the vocal and remains thematic 
to the vocal melody. So it's it's one smooth process, you know, vocals, horns, vocals, horns, and then uh, basically when I when I arranged this prayer, I, I picked up my trombone. And I played a solo along with the rough mixes with the vocals. And that solo became an ensemble and voiced where appropriate. And then underneath the vocals to add substance, uh, I wrote pads to a large degree to uh, strengthen the chordal bass under the vocal. Wow, that's so interesting. I mean, how elaborate and intricate it is. I mean, there's so many great moments on this album. And one that I keep going track to is For the Love. I mean, those strings that lead into the horn solo. It's just, it's so amazing. And uh, Robert, I know you've said For the Love was a standout for you. Uh, what is it about that song that really resonates with you? Oh, uh, uh, the song actually was born from uh, a recording of the acoustic guitars friend of mine who actually who a guitarist who has played uh, uh, on Chicago albums and uh, someone who's also from Chicago um, uh, sent me you know we were, I, I want I just wanted to write with people I hadn't really write, written with for a while and uh, uh, he sent me uh, he sent me basic he said you know I haven't been I haven't been playing lately. I'm having a, a bit of a problem, but uh, I'll send you. I'll send you the last stuff that I laid down just as as a as a start. So uh, I I took his recording and I I manipulated uh, sections of it and sort of you know made made uh, an interesting grid uh, upon which I could. Uh, sing a melody and and as the as the melody and the section sections began to emerge uh i was hearing i was hearing a song that was maybe maybe from the 1800s i was i was hearing i was here i was kind of feeling like the singer was talking or singing with his friends, telling telling them about uh, how much the world had changed, and and the one thing that was a constant was was the love. So uh, you know, it, it was sort of a brick by brick a building of a song, um, and as it happens. Uh, the first violin piece uh, that was put in uh, to the song was uh, played by, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, played by a young virtuoso violinist who happens to live in Italy. Um, and she, she played her solo and sent it to me and it was like perfect. Uh, and so, it, so the whole thing was coming together as sort of a non-electronic, non-rock piece, just a, a beautiful love song, if you will, uh, with lyrics that talked about how the world was changing. And in the end, we'll, 
all we'll have is love. That's an incredible track. Really one of my, my favorites on the album. It's my wife's favorite. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's, that's the highest praise you need. She turned to me. She said, you are some. <laughs> that's, I get highest praise. There's nothing else I can say. That's all you need. Wow. I mean, good Lord. I mean, beautiful track. There's so many amazing songs on this album. And I, I'm so fascinated by the many different ways that people can have these flashes of creativity. I mean, you mentioned all the ways that you manipulated this wholly other song to create this. Um, I'm curious. I mean, I think of a track like Make a Man Out of Me, a song that's so steeped in, in paternal love for a child. Do you have a feeling and go sit down and sort of play it out of you? Or does the, does the tune come first? And does that give you a certain feeling and then you kind of write to that well make a man out of me is a love song to my to my newborn son and we're all fathers you might be a father yourself are you are you a dad not yet okay well i don't think that there's any more powerful bond um than a parent to their child when 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 I looked down at my son in the crib, I was overtaken by the love I had for this new human being, a product of my wife and myself. And I looked down and it, that idea just hit me between the eyes. You know, this is a responsibility. Hmm. It's my duty as your father to give you the tools to have a good life, to succeed, to know the meaning of life. And it inspired the words. Um, you know, as songwriters, we have we have the joy of experiencing these intimate moments of expressing ourselves and our feelings about various things that affect us as people. And I was overtaken at that point in this instance with this discovery of how deeply I love this little person more than just about any other writing experience I had had. And then to have the, the blessing of being able to uh, compose a song about that feeling, and then all of a sudden um, it goes on a record and eventually becomes a story shared by Lots and lots of people. And I would venture to say that it's a commonality. I mean, uh, anybody who's had a child will immediately relate to that feeling. In fact, when we were in the studio listening back to uh, songs with um, the record company, one of the... Uh, um, one of the, the higher ups with the record company seated next to me, leaned over and said, 
Jimmy, you know, that song resonates with me unbelievably because I have a son. And when I listened to this song, I was standing over his crib, just like you must have done. And I immediately understood the power of what you were feeling. So hopefully a lot of people will experience that. I mean, there are so many of your songs that have that. I mean, I was a, I'm sure you hear this all the time. I was a wedding DJ for a number of years and the recessional that we would play so often at so many of these ceremonies and receptions was beginnings. I mean, it's just something that just is so powerful. And you'd see, you'd look out there and you'd see people crying when that song was was on because it was such a beautiful, you know. It's my favorite song. I tell Robert every night on stage and he he looks at me like, okay, I've heard enough of that. I don't. Oh, I cry, Jimmy. Don't cry. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, I love that you included that as a as a little nod in um in our New York time. I thought that was just such a cool little callback. What led you to include that? Uh, that was a producer call. You know, uh, producers can be can be uh, uh, creative in that way. You know, they hear you know they hear a song that is fairly complete, <clears throat> and the track may be done and. Everything might be done, but uh, a good producer will will uh, will sometimes add uh, a color, a flavor, maybe even a few words here and there to uh, to to make uh, to make a particular song stand out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, 
And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. It's definitely not a record that's that's steeped in nostalgia, but there were a few of these touching little moments, like the opening of the, the, This Is Goodbye that really hit me. Uh, just a bunch of crazy kids, look at all the things we did, wake up playing in the high school band, make it to the promised land. I mean, to, to me as a fan, it's hard not to read that as, as autobiographical in some way. Well, you know, uh, this record, you know, as a listener, not as a composer or a member of the band, but as a listener, uh, I found uh, this collection of songs to be uh, really pretty fascinating because, it, 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 you know, we delve into all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, it's not just love songs or, or uh, pointless rock and roll. It's, it's very cerebral, but yet it has the pull of great musicality and the grooves go from A to Z. I yeah. mean, this is classic Chicago with a new face. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I, I can kind of um, express it in terms of, you know, I, I played some of the rough mixes for my kids, you know, my younger listeners and they went, wow. You know, you guys, you guys have have a freshness, yeah, that you haven't had in a while, and maybe it was the desperation of being completely idle during the pandemic that made us stretch a little further, you know, or made us aware of more things that we were always too busy to realize, and I think that might have inspired. Uh, cur the courage to push the envelope and go a little further. You know, maybe. Well, when you asked about the uh, the the writing of of goodbye, which by the way is is the first single coming out off the album, uh, I th it was written by our producer, and I think he was probably incorporating when he started as a band and I think he had a co-writer and they were both doing a similar thing where they you know, back to their roots, back to when they started and went into high school and, and started furthering their career. And it could be uh, construed as it being only about us, but I think it's about any band that gets together. Let's be friends. Let's, you know, let, how far can we go with this and uh, see what happens. You mentioned the record was produced by Joe Thomas, who's worked with some of my all-time favorite artists. I mean, Brian Wilson, Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty, and now you. What was it like working with him? What all did he, did he bring to the table? It seems like he was very actively involved. The biggest problem is we didn't see each other. Oh, yeah. So we were very rarely in the, in the same room together. Uh, we were trying to put it, get it to a point where everybody would be able to come to my studio and we'd be able to do background vocals, which we did 
a little bit of. We did most of the brass, all of the brass at, at my studio. Uh, but getting everyone in the room together was uh, a difficult process during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, uh, I had a lot of conversations with him on the phone. Um, and I agree with Lee, you know, I, I had never laid eyes on the guy. Uh, we, you know, we had done some, uh, some video projects at one of the studios, uh, in Chicago, uh, that, that is a venue for, for, uh, videos. Um, but I had, I didn't have any sense of him as a, as a producer or as a writer or he actually plays plays uh, really good keyboards so uh so all of that was really interesting i have to say i have to I have to say that in the beginning uh once once we had sort of committed to let's see if we can you know make this an album um uh i i <laughs> uh not being a tech guy i'm completely opposite from lee i'm not a tech guy whatsoever I thought, well, everybody has a laptop, and if we all <laughs> can do our, our demos on the laptop, we'll send them to Joe, and Joe will just, you know, make a, do his magic and magically uh, make a finished record. Well, he kind of thought he kind of thought the same thing at first, but then as he was getting uh, as he was getting the file, files sent to him, uh, he discovered that everybody was working on a different platform. So it was oh, like wow. uh, easier every, said than done. Easier said yeah. than done. I'll never do that again. Right. But uh, uh, and he, being the tech guy, I was trying to talk everyone out of doing it and send this, you know a certain file type so we can have some consistency going on. <laughs> and that was a difficult process. Yeah, it was really, it was really, you know, it, it was really a, a long, longer process than it really needed to be. Um, but having said that, he was very patient. Uh, he was he was very open. Uh, I, I found him to be very open to uh, ideas, and uh, you know he he put his nose to the grindstone and got this stuff done. Yeah, it was no easy task, I'm sure, for for him because you know he received he he received files from writers, and he would plug in uh, Chicago. Uh, performances into the, the personal demos. You know, uh, if I submitted a song, all of a sudden, uh, you know, a demos, a demo vocal, uh, you know, we'd get a, stu a studio sausage or a singer that we knew to sing a, a lead vocal, and, and then we do some backgrounds, and I'd do a trombone kind of a, a thing where the horn section would be, and then uh, it was not only was Joe getting files from from band members and then plugging in um, Chicago players, band members uh, to do to redo the performance, but yeah, he he would then take that upgraded track with you know Wally Reyes playing the drums instead of a, a you know a, a a drum machine or whatever. Uh, we'd have, you know, Wally playing real drums. We'd have uh, a real bass player. We'd have, you know, real musicians. And then he'd take that file and send it to me. 
And then I would arrange the brass to that track, which had the real music on it. So uh, uh, I could create a horn arrangement because I cannot create a horn, a horn arrangement to an unfinished demo because there's, uh, there's, it's got to be the real thing. Uh, I, I can only arrange to what the, the, the final uh, representation of the song will be. So he was receiving files. He was putting musicians on those files. He'd then send the file to me. I would put real brass uh, on paper. We'd take that brass to Arizona, to Lee's. We'd record that real brass. It would then go back to Joe, and Joe would put background vocals on, on, on the track again where the real horns were. So it became a seamless uh, result. So it was back and forth and back and forth. I was doing vocals in California. <laughs> I did the track for my song on stage with the with the live band. If this isn't love, and I think uh, I did a couple of songs like that. And if this isn't love, was the one that made it on the album. But I think that was one of the few songs on this record that was done by our band, a band. on stage yeah. as a band. Wow! Yeah, and then we recorded the brass at the studio in in uh, Sedona. And, and by the way, well, during the pandemic, I had enough time to build the studio. My uh, engineer, Tim Jessup, and I were, were working on a, a Carnegie Hall project, which we, we did uh, six days in 1971. And uh, uh, we were uh, mixing and mastering all six, all eight shows that we did within that six days. So we were immersed in a in a deep in a project while this record was going on. So um, there was a lot going on in the pandemic. Amazing, you know. Productive time. Yes. I, I loved that Carnegie Hall box set when it came out last year. One of the things that I really enjoyed about it was I feel like there were so many moments of of improv in there, which is a side I feel like I, we don't see a lot from you so often. So I, I really I enjoyed it so much. I really loved. There it. was a lot from night to night. We we just said uh, we were uh, uh, like this like goodbye says crazy kids just <laughs> coming out and playing uh, you know from the hip and uh, just doing what what came, we we had the 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 songs put together but we played them loosely you know uh frankly <laughs> i revisited the carnegie hall uh when lee sent us uh the records and i listened to that you know of course it was uh new and improved i mean amazingly so and i started realizing holy crap man how did we do that? We, I mean, we were a bunch of kids. And I listened to some of those performances. And, you know, we had no fear. We had no fear. Uh, and Terry, you know, I mean, his his genius and his uh, his strength within the band, it, I think it actually motivated me to say, screw it, man. I, I'm not going to worry about rules, you know, with this album. You know, and I, I started 
just taking chances. Because I listen to Carnegie Hall, I'm going, man, if we could if we could accomplish that when we didn't know anything, <laughs> what can we accomplish when we do know all this? Well, we had the same experience when we, uh, a couple of years ago, we did Chicago 2 live uh, on, a, on our tour. And in rehearsing to play that, play that repertoire, it was like, we did a lot of that looking at each other saying, what the hell were we thinking? <laughs> we were writing these songs. Where did it come from? Yeah. And, you know, obviously, uh, not only uh, the Chicago 2 situation, but, you know, the Carnegie Hall uh, repertoire, you know, that was still very early in our career. I mean, I think probably the most, the most recent song might have been Saturday in the Park. If, if, if that, no, no, that no, wasn't, that even, was the fifth album. Okay. This so, was only three albums. Well, there you Carnegie go. Hall. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a it was a different world. Yeah, it's certainly a different climate in in in, no. in, in, uh, in rock music. It was f funny before speaking to you. I was rewatching that amazing documentary now more than ever. And there's a great moment when you were talking about the start of your career when you played an original song at a club and you were fired for not playing the top forty. Which is, I mean, it's just insane to me to think of a time like that. What what what? What was that like back then for you? What compelled you to make the jump from from playing these songs to playing originals? We actually played a, a Frank Zappa song of, of, of "How Could I Be Such a Fool." Yes, cool. a, a, a waltz, a rock and roll waltz, and that's why we <laughs> from that club. <laughs> a Zappa cover. <laughs> the music business changed. It changed. Uh, it changed by the end of the seventies. It, it was. Uh, really all about you know if you had a hit with one song the record company wanted another song just like it only different uh if possible and and i just think that the uh the thinking the thinking about trying to write a hit song uh really kind of really kind of defeated lots of artists as mm. the, as the music industry demanded that that procedure here's a strange question that i'm just thinking now and i'm trying to make phrase it right i feel like there's a lot of people who talk about artists who inspired them to be virtuosos but i was wondering are there any musical heroes of yours that taught you how to play together with a band and how to really gel i mean i feel like that's something that's so special about you and again i keep going back to the the one set of lungs were there any groups out there maybe the mothers of invention were one of them that really showed you what it was like to see a group in total cohesion total mind melding playing as one that really showed you like this is what uh, this is how powerful a musical unit can be i can tell you one right now the beatles oh yeah <laughs> when the beatles came on the scene i was totally jaw dropped i mean these guys uh they re they reinvented pop music or maybe not reinvented it but took it to a unique other level perfect voicing in the vocals well like count basie we were listening to count basie oh. and, and we learned how to phrase by listening to big oh, wow. bands like that basie yeah yeah 
I've always, uh, in my own mind, likened your your horn parts to Brian Wilson's vocal arrangements, just the way it it sits in the track and complements the the lead so perfectly. Um, I know he's someone that you're very closely associated with. He's one of my heroes, and you're about to go out and do a number of shows with him this summer. Uh, I just wanted to ask you more about about your your connection with him and and what it's been like playing with him all these years, and and um, just your thoughts on the Beach Boys. Well, we did we did tour with the Beach Boys extensively in the seventies, and it was. They had they had kind of been in a down phase of their career, uh, and we were you know we were selling out baseball stadiums. So uh, our producer at the time, Jimmy Garcia, actually was playing bass with the Beach Boys, and somehow got them to agree to uh, be our opening act. And that whole that whole summer was just an amazing experience. Uh, talk about a band that could throw down live the beach boys could and so could chicago and so could the two bands when they came on stage together so i think that uh, there's a possibility we'll be doing a little bit of that this summer with brian and his band oh that the footage from that 75 when you're on together doing like darling together or something i mean it, it you, you're out there playing with them. it sounds like a chicago song it's so perfect it's such a great blend i i love those those concerts wow that was that was a phenomenal experience we were at the at the garden in New York, and they had to they had to evacuate the felt forum on the floor below because the floor this the floor of the of the garden was going up and down from people. <laughs> That's right. It's on springs, right? Moss, springs, yeah. right. And the the uh, the upper deck was coming loose from uh, the pipes <laughs> were shaking around in, at Angel Stadium <laughs> in California when we played that. Because the you know they were built to withstand uh, a home run, the excitement of wow. a home run. But a three-minute song with it with it shaking up and down, it really got going good to where they were they were worried that the, that their upper deck might collapse. <laughs> oh man! Well, I we all need a little bit of that energy this summer. I cannot wait to see you out there. My, my last question before I let you go, I mean, I'm so excited you're getting back out on the road, but I wanted to ask you, what does the title born for this moment mean mean to you? It's such an evocative phrase. I was thinking a lot about it, and I wanted to ask you what, what led you to choose that title. Born for this moment? Yeah. That was actually, that's actually the title track. It's a, uh, you know, Robert's song. And before the title was chosen, I, as I'm arranging the, uh, Robert's song, I'm thinking, wow. What a great title for the for the record, born for this moment. You know, this mortality is a reality. You know, mm. maybe this uh, is the last real original collection of music that we have the you know the pleasure of doing. Hopefully not, but uh, this record is a record that I think was meant to be made for a long time. You could bookend this career with Chicago Transit Authority and born for this moment in my mind. Because this, you know, this is the first album of this next thing. How long that lasts, we don't know yet. Be in the moment. I think that's a, that's a beautiful note to end on. Lee, Robert, James, you are the best. Thank you so much for your time today and most importantly for your music. You've given me so much joy over the years. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. For All the right. Time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Joy speaking with you. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.